What's up, Permission Nation? My name is Charles Specht, and I teach insurance agents how to quote less, win more often, and build a $1 million or more book of business through signed broker of record letters. Whether you're a brand new producer just starting out or you've been grinding it out year after year, you're in the right place to learn how to grow your book. I teach insurance producers my step-by-step 12X framework that helps you get the incumbent agent fired and you hired. After all, why waste time quoting when you can win with one signature? If you're looking for a proven system to help you 12X your book of business, then visit my website at www.12x.club to see how it's done. Otherwise, kick back, turn up the volume, and remember, quoting is for the week. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. Well, hey there, Millionaire Insurance Producers. This is Charles Specht. I'm your host of the podcast, and it's great to be with you today. I want to talk to you today about your prospects and how you can win more prospects by turning them into clients. Obviously, that's the goal. But here's really the issue, is that too very often, our prospects seem like they hate us. But I want you to just understand, even as the title of this podcast episode is going to be today, your prospects don't really hate you. Your prospects don't really hate you. But here's the the flip side of that coin. Your prospects don't really know you. And that really is the issue. It's not that they hate you. It's that they don't yet like you. They don't know you. Back when I was um, just getting out of college, I took a job. And I took a job as a bill collector working for um, a collection agency. And that was a very, very challenging and difficult job. Certainly, I think for the first three to four months, I had never been cursed at so much in my life. Never been yelled at, never been laughed at, never been hung up on as much, never been seriously just flat out cursed at like I was back when I was a bill collector calling on people to pay their dentist, you know, whatever it was. In fact, you know, there was even some of them where you had to actually give them a call so that they would pay the funeral a parlor for the work that was actually done for their deceased loved ones. And it's amazing how many times I got cursed out just for that. But why I'm actually talking about this is because probably like for the first couple of weeks, man, I took it seriously. I took it uh, personally. I really kind of felt like they were just, you know, um, coming at me personally, that the things that they were thinking and saying and so forth, that it was really just directed at me. And so it was a challenge those first couple of weeks. But I had to really just kind of like stop and step back and realize that, you know what, it's not me. It's the situation. It's not me. It's themselves. It's it's them. Um, they didn't have the money. They didn't have the time. They didn't have the resources. They were frustrated. Maybe there was just some kind of an, an argument back and forth or dispute in the actual bill or invoice, whatever it was. The issue was that the person on the other end of the line was taking it out on me, and I was having a difficult time with that. I wonder, when you're doing your prospecting, Mr. and Mrs. Insurance Producer, when you're doing your prospecting, do your prospects ever come across as rude? 
I bet they actually probably have from time to time. I bet you have had a rude prospect from time to time. Whether that person says, you know, don't call here anymore. We're tired of you insurance agents. Uh, they might even reply with an email that is fairly descriptive about what they think about you and the insurance process overall. But there's a lot of people who might actually respond that way. But after all is said and done, it's not you. It's them. It's absolutely them. Your prospects don't really hate you. That's what I want to talk about right now, but specifically how to turn that around in a way in which that they will start doing business with you. Because who cares if they hate you or like you? Frankly, who cares? The issue is whether or not they're actually paying insurance premium in which you are retaining commission dollars on those premium dollars. How do you get your prospects to like you and to not hate you? That really is the question that I want to talk about a little bit right now. And so here's the thing. The insurance buyer obviously doesn't know you. They don't like you. They don't trust you. They, they have no idea who you are and so forth. But they're probably going to tell you no. You will probably hear the majority of people respond to you either with silence, that is, they don't ever get back to you, or they respond to you with no. How many times have you sent out emails where there has literally been no response? How many times have you left voice messages for an insurance buyer and they have never responded back to you? How many times have you done that where the answer has simply been silence? I would suspect that's probably the main, the main way in which uh, the um, insurance buyers deal with you. They just deal with you by not dealing with you. They give you a lot of silence. But there's a lot of times in which the prospects will respond to you negatively. They'll respond to you negatively. And in one way or another, they will say no. They may say no with expletives. They may say no simply that they're not interested. Typically, the way that they're going to do that is not necessarily being rude, but what they're probably going to say are maybe a mixture of two or three things, okay? The main two that you will probably hear more often than not, these two objections are really summed up into um, right now is not a good time or we're happy with who we have. All of the objections, for the most part, can be put into those two buckets. Now is not a good time. In other words, we don't renew for another seven months. We're not interested in, in meeting or talking about this right now. Or um, right now is not a good time. I'm in the middle of payroll. Or now is not a good time. I'm just not in the right frame of mind to deal with this right now. Um, whatever it is. The other one is we're happy with who we have. That is probably one that you hear a lot. It is probably the easier one to actually say if that is the insurance buyer's response to you. I want you to think about it this way. If the last time you maybe walked through the mall, maybe you went through Walmart or someplace like that, but usually I just think about this when I go to the mall. I don't like to go to the mall much, uh, but let's say, for example, you are in, you're in a shop, clothing shop. You're walking around. You're looking at things that are on the, on the hangers. You're looking at the clearance section and all that kind of stuff, and somebody comes up to you and says, hi, can I help you with anything? Right? So the, walker, the worker walks up to you and says, can I help you with anything? Now, nine times out of 10, the average person responds by saying one thing in particular. Can you guess what it is? No thanks, I'm just looking. No thanks, I'm just looking. That's the typical response that is given to somebody who works there and says, is there anything I can help you with? Can I help you with anything? Would you like to try something on? No thanks, I'm just looking right now. 
Well, the answer really, or the truth of it is uh, that you really aren't just looking. You're potentially there to buy different things, but the mere fact that somebody who works there could potentially be pressuring you into doing something starts to make you nervous. And so the easiest way to diffuse the situation is to say something, is to give an answer that you really haven't even thought through. It just almost automatically comes out. You almost automatically just say, no, thanks, I'm just looking right now. But I want you to understand that that is typical, how your prospect is going to respond to you. When they respond, now's not a good time, or we're happy with who they have, I can almost guarantee you, 99% of the time, they have not thought through that answer. They have simply allowed it to roll off their tongues because they just don't know what else to say. They don't want to deal with the situation. They don't want to think about the situation. The easiest thing to say is, now's not a good time. We're happy with who we have. So I want you just to also understand that for the most part, I almost always think that no doesn't necessarily mean no, means no. It simply means you haven't yet convinced me. I mean, if we had a convincing argument about why they should meet with us, if we had a cold call carrot that would almost make them blush that it was so good, that it was just so mouth-watering that they would have to meet with us to find out a little bit more about what it was, they would probably then meet with us. But if our script comes across as fairly bland, as it really doesn't offer anything of substance to them, if there's no real reason for them to want to meet with us, the easier things for them to do is just say, you know what, we're, we're, we're kind of happy with who we have right now. Um, you know what, now is not a good time. Can you call me back in about seven months? To so just really push you off. I want you also just to realize that your typical prospect, the insurance buyer, probably receives multiple sales calls from insurance agents each day. If not throughout the entire week, they're probably receiving a few dozen of those. And it significantly begins to uptick as they start getting closer to their insurance renewal date. They're getting calls fairly regularly, even throughout the year, they get a lot of calls before the renewal date is coming up, when they're within that 90-day window for when their actual policies begin to renew. So they're getting a lot of calls. The easiest thing to say is, we're happy with who we have, or now is not a very good time. But please understand that not, that's not what it means. All it means yet, all it really means up to this point, please, please listen to this. Would you please just stop what you're doing for a minute? Would you please listen to this? I need you to listen to this. What it really means when they say that, what they're essentially saying is that you're boring me. You are boring me, and I don't want to meet with you. They might candy coat it by saying, now's not a good time. They might candy coat it by saying, we're happy with who they are who we have right now. But after all is said and done, what it means is that you've bored them. You haven't said anything yet that has any true substance that would cause them to want to give you an hour of their life to meet with you, a stranger, to talk about insurance, something they don't really want to think about, talk about, or ever pay for. And so you're asking them for an hour of their life to meet with you, a stranger. When they say no, essentially they're saying, you're boring me. You haven't said anything that would cause me to want to do that. It's not exhilarating enough. It's not thrilling enough. What you've said up to that point in regards to your carrot is not good enough. And by the way, when they typically say no, it doesn't mean no forever. It simply just means you haven't yet convinced me, but maybe you could in the future. 
there's kind of that little parenthesis, right? There's the statement, the answer is no, because now is not a good, very good time, or we're happy with who we have. But then there's like a parenthesis around that, and it's silent. And that silence in the parenthesis is that you haven't yet convinced me I might be willing to do it in the future if you gave me a convincing reason to do it. What is your cold call carrot? What's your C3? I call it the cold call carrot. I call it the C3. It really stands for what is the main reason that a person would want to meet with you in the first place? It needs to be powerful. It needs to be strong. It needs to be really good. It needs to be powerful enough that they want to meet with a stranger to talk about insurance. I would normally tell you that your C3, your cold call carrot, whatever it is, whatever you, whether you're using it in a, an actual cold call situation, maybe you're sending an email, maybe you are sending a message on social media, maybe you say it when somebody comes up to you at a networking event and says, what do you do? Your cold call carrot is basically who you do something for, what is the product that you offer, and then what really is the end result? What's the trophy? Who do you do this for? What's the product that you're offering? And what is the ultimate end result? That's typically your cold call carrot. I would tell you that it probably might even be best off if it is a two-sided cold call carrot, one side being price and the other side being a solution to a major problem. A two-sided cold call carrot tends to work much better than just a one-sided cold call carrot. But there has to be a reason. There has to be something that is of substance so that they would want to meet with you. Their answer initially is that the answer is no. We're happy with who we have. But what it really says is that if you can start saying something that really addresses the major problems that I'm having, that provides an ample solution to the issue in which I'm dealing with, I would probably meet with you. I would probably give you a half an hour, an hour of the week if you were really offering something that was so significant, it would alleviate some of the main problems that I'm dealing with in my business. That's what it comes down to. They don't really hate you. Your prospects don't hate you, even though they might come across as rude at times. For the most part, it simply just means that I haven't done a good enough job prospecting. I need a better carrot. I need a better carrot. You know what the cold call carrot is, right? It kind of represents that, that whole sort of that, that imagery of somebody sitting on the back of a, a, a donkey, for example, or just even standing off to the side, holding a stick out in front of the donkey. There's a string on the end of the stick. On the bottom of the string is a carrot. The donkey sees the carrot and starts walking towards the carrot because it wants to get it. But you're always holding it out in front, so it never gets it. But you're getting the donkey to do work. That's what the cold call carrot is. It is something that you dangle out in front of your prospect that looks so appealing that they have to have it, that they want to actually touch it, taste it, use it, utilize it, whatever it is. It has to be good enough to bring them to that point. What is your cold call carrot? Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business. So don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. That's nbsbrokerage.com. And by the way, tell them Charles sent you. If you had 
a good enough script based upon a cold call carrot that would cause them to blush because it is so good they would meet with you. But they don't hate you. Your prospects don't hate you. They just don't yet know you. They just don't yet like you. And so it doesn't necessarily mean no. No doesn't mean that they will never meet with you. It means you haven't yet convinced me. Because they're probably going to be getting your product, your whatever insurance product that you probably have to offer, whether it's a general liability or workers' compensation or employee health benefits plan or dental or whatever it is, some life insurance. They're probably either right now at this moment getting that product from somebody else, another insurance agent, or they're going to be purchasing that product from somebody else in the very near future. So they're going to get it from somebody. It's just a matter of who. And if they're telling you no now, it's that you haven't yet convinced me, but it could be a yes next year, or it could be a, next, a yes next week, or it could be a yes four years from now. It just kind of depends upon the timing of it and what really your cold call carrot is. But they're typically getting the insurance product from someone. They right now have an insurance agent probably offering it to them. But I also want you to think that there's a lot of reasons in which no can become a yes fairly quickly. There could be um, a situation where the owner, you know, eventually decides to retire, and so the kids come in, and the kids come in, take over the business, and suddenly they want to change things, they want to update things, they don't want the same agent that their dad had for the last 25 years, so they bring in somebody different. Happens all the time. Happened to a, an account I was just on the phone with uh, talking to an agent about this morning. Happens fairly regularly. There's a lot of mergers and acquisitions that take place out there. Uh, when companies purchase other companies, suddenly you might have now an opportunity that you didn't have in the past, merger and acquisition. Maybe there's a change in the economy or a change in the marketplace overall, where suddenly something maybe that wasn't um, maybe as, as tantalizing in the past now suddenly seems like something they want right now, right away. So there could be a huge change in the marketplace, such as auto liability rates going through the roof in the state of Florida. Um, or all various states. There's a lot of different reasons why there suddenly might be interest in the marketplace for them to, instead of to say, no, I'm not interested, to say, yes, let's talk about it. But they don't hate you. There's a lot of reasons why they might be saying no at this moment. But it doesn't mean no forever. What it simply means is you have not yet convinced me. And so... For the most part, I would tell you that as insurance producers, we don't suffer from a sales deficiency. What we suffer from is a prospecting deficiency. We suffer from being incapable of actually convincing our insurance prospects that they should do business with us. That's the fact of the matter. We're not good enough at the art of persuasion. I would tell you that it is probably something you need to focus on, not only just for your own personal growth, but for your business growth, to really begin focusing on ways in which to better yourself in the art of persuasion. How do you persuade the HR manager? How do you persuade the CFO? How do you persuade the receptionist or the gatekeeper to let you go to the next step? How do you persuade 
the CEO, the business owner to really give you the broker of record letter on the current policies? How do you persuade the business owner to allow you to represent the carriers you want going forward? How do you persuade the board of directors to stop doing business with the vendor they had in the past and begin doing business with you going forward? How do you persuade the underwriter to actually give you a quote in the first place? How do you persuade the underwriter to give you a more favorable quote to remove some of the debits that were initially applied and to actually offer credits that weren't previously applied? How do you persuade these things? How do you persuade these people? Because there's a lot of persuasion that needs to take place in the entire process from start to finish in order for you to win. Has to happen. I mean, not only that, but even like the persuasion aspect of when you're going to be proposing your options to the insured, what you're going to say at the time in which you are going through the actual quotes. I mean, there are so many times in the whole process where you need to have something that persuades them to move in your direction. What is it that you say? If I would almost like, I would almost die on a hill for this one. I would tell you that the size of the book of business that you currently have is, if not mo- is not all, is mostly dependent upon your ability to persuade. The size of your book of business is dependent upon your ability to persuade. Absolutely. When we do our cold calls, if people aren't responding, it's because we did not persuade them. If we do our cold calls and people respond negatively, we did not persuade them. If we present a quote and they don't buy from us, we didn't persuade them. If the underwriter does not actually give us a quote, even though we're begging, we haven't persuaded them. There's a lot of things that we have to do, and persuasion is probably at the top of the list of the things that we must get much, much better at. No, your prospects don't hate you but they don't like you either. And that's a different issue. Those are two completely different issues. But really, here's a third one, if you will. It's not so much even that your prospects hate you. It's not even that your prospects don't like you. It's that your prospects don't trust you. Because if you could persuade them, they would trust you more. There would be reason for them to want to meet with you. But yes, your prospects don't trust what you have to say. I was talking with an insurance agent, not sure if it was yesterday or the day before, a different agent from the one I was just mentioning earlier. But this agent was working on a very large account, and the insurance buyer was considering giving uh, my, this agent the actual broker of record letter for the policy that they were trying to get. But the insured was saying, I don't really know if you're going to be a better choice than what we've got now. I don't know if I just want to sign over the broker record letter because, and this was what she had said, this is what the insurance buyer said, because most agents say they're going to give me good service. And I don't know how to tell the difference between either of them. That was really kind of the main way in which to sort of summarize what this woman had said to her. I'm not quite sure how to choose an agent. Everybody says the same thing. Everybody says they provide good service. Everybody says they're going to provide services to me. And for the most part, it tends to be verbal exercise that we haven't actually 
written down anything that the insured is going to get from us going forward. We've simply been providing verbal exercise up to this point. It's not that they hate us. It's not that they don't like us. It's that they don't trust us. The trust factor. We have to become trust agents, not merely insurance brokers. We have to become experts in the art of persuasion. We need to become not just merely producers. We need to become people who are experts in the art of persuasion. The more that you can persuade, the bigger your book of business is going to grow. The more clients you will get. You will be able to attract more clients. You will be able to retain more loyal clients. The better that you can get at persuasion. And so it really requires a lot of, it requires experience. It requires a lot of times in which you practice it. It requires a lot of at-bats, if you will, with regard to your prospects. In other words, you can't get better being a hitter by never getting into the batter's box. You actually got to get in there and swing the bat. And to get better at persuasion, you have to actually practice it. You got to start really kind of thinking about it. And when it comes down to the art of persuasion, it's not something that you merely react to. It's something that you are forward thinking about. In other words, before you're meeting with your prospects, let me ask you a question. Before you meet with your prospects, do you have all the questions already filled out on a piece of paper that you're going to ask all your questions about how to uncover problems? Problems with the current insurance carriers, the policies or the plan. Maybe the, uh, the premium has been creeping up. Maybe there's a problem with the audit. Maybe there's a problem with the insurance personnel. Or maybe we can undercover a problem with the claims adjuster who hasn't really done a very good job on closing claims or putting high reserves on something. Have you been able to uncover problems with the account manager, the receptionist, or the supposed workers' compensation claims manager at the insurance agency who really hasn't done anything? Are you able to uncover issues with the insurance producer? Have they simply ghosted the insured for months at a time, or have they really fulfilled their promises on the services that they would provide. Do you have questions like that designed to persuade them your direction rather than a different direction? Do you have questions written down that are really probing questions designed to uncover the pains and the problems that they currently have in their business and as well as in their insurance program? If you don't, you need to work on getting better at persuasion. If you do not have questions like that that are already prepared, I would tell you that you're probably not anywhere close to what you could be in your book of business because you need a lot of work in the art of persuasion. Your prospects don't hate you. Your prospects don't like you. Your prospects merely don't trust you. How are you going to fix that? What? are you going to do? One way in which to fix that is to get better at it by exercise, to get better at it with role-playing, to get better at it by simply hearing what other people are going to do about it. That's one way in which you get better at it. I encourage you to go to brokerofrecordletter.com and take a look at the 12X Commission Mastermind which is a group of other independent agents out there from all around the country who are getting involved in the Millionaire Producer School digital course, who are involved in the twice-per-week live coaching sessions that I put on with them, and where we talk about these issues as well as a lot more about how to actually manage 
an appointment with an insurer to lead them down the path so that when you ask for the things you want, such as which carriers to represent or the broker of record letter on the current policies, you are in a much stronger position to get it. One of the easiest ways in which to get more reps, to get more at-bats, is to simply get the training that you need in order to push you, push you in that direction. What if you had 12 consecutive months of training in one particular area of your business? Imagine how good you could get. Even if you could just get like 1% better, as we talked about this, 1% better every single week at the art of persuasion. A year from now, you'd be 50% better at being a persuader. Imagine what that would do to your book of business. Imagine what that would do to your appointment setting. If you could get 50% better by just doing 1% extra per week over the course of a full year, imagine what would happen. I encourage you to go check out the website 12x.club or simply go to brokerofrecordletter.com and check it out. Becoming a member of the 12X Commission Mastermind will help you secure more broker of record letters, build your book of business to a million dollars or more, and will significantly help you getting better in the art of persuasion. But really, the choice is up to you. And I'll leave you with this. Are you happy with the results that you have gotten this last year? Are you happy with the results that you've gotten up to this point this year? If you feel like you probably didn't write as much business as you felt you could have or wanted to or maybe should have back in 2020, or you really haven't written the amount of new business you really wanted to here in this year, 2021, well, I want to tell you that it's likely because you have had no personal growth. You haven't grown in your ability to persuade. You haven't grown in your ability to set more appointments. You haven't grown in your ability to persuade the insured to fire their other agent and hire you. You haven't really figured out a way in which to increase the value differentiation that you're going to offer to your prospects. You haven't been able to grow in your ability to uncover pain in the relationship with the current insurance providers. You haven't become an expert at the art of competitive dethronement. You simply are just going through the motions. And if, this is a big if, by the way, and if you are happy or comfortable with the amount of new business that you wrote in 2020 or 2021 up to this point, if you are happy with it, then don't change anything. Just continue doing exactly what you've been doing because you'll continue to get the same results. But if you want to level up your game, if you want to actually become a student and an expert in the art of persuasion and build your book of business to a million dollars or more, then you need to do something about it. You need to actually take action. You have to. Otherwise, you will, by default, receive the exact same benefits and outcome that you've had in the past. Invest in yourself. Invest in yourself. A small investment of time and money up front will have tremendous dividends for you both now in the present as well as into the future of your entire career. Hands down, without question. But you have to actually do something about it. Brokerofrecordletter.com. My name is Charles Specht. I am the Principal and founder at Permission Network, where I teach and train insurance producers how to build a $1 million or more book of business. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast.